Hey guys, what's going on? Hey fam, hey family, this is your dad. I'm sitting here right now, all alone in the studio. You know what I like? I got Foxy right here. I got my puppy dog. What's going on, girl? <laughs> anyway, uh, so I'm sitting here in the studio and I thought, you know what? I want to I want to break down the walls. I want to break down the barriers between you guys and myself. So I'm going to give you some raw, uncut, unfiltered interviews time, uh, some time behind the mic, just, you know, so we can get to know each other a little bit better. How's that sound? How does that sound? Good. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to start sharing my full-length interviews with you. Now, what do I mean by that? When I go and meet with, you know, these artists, with engineers, with authors, you know, anyone that's relevant to the music or to the Your Dad brand, I end up doing interviews that, you know, sometimes last 15 and 20 minutes, uh, as in the cases of this interview. And that's more than, you know, that five or 10 minute slot that I allot every week in the actual radio show for you guys to hear the interviews. So I simply, you know, for the, the radio show, I end up cutting out the questions that I think, you know, would be most pressing or interesting to, you know, the general listener. But a lot of times I ask technical questions. It can be about, you know, how to write a book. Or in today's uh, interview, it was talking about mixing and mastering records. So, you know, some of them get a little bit technical. I think they're still really entertaining for everybody to hear, but especially interesting to, you know, other engineers or uh, producers or artists. So I just wanted to share the uncut, unfiltered stuff with you guys to give you a chance to listen to, you know, everything and really capture it all in as I have. So in today's interview, in today's uncut interview, I'd like to introduce uh, a Grammy-nominated mixing mastering engineer and friend, Luca Pretolesi. Now, Luca started making music when he was just 16 years old over in Italy. And after touring under the name Digital Boy and gaining some mainstream popularity, Luca opened a nightclub with some friends down in Rimini, Italy, and then eventually made the move to the United States to live in Las Vegas, where he could focus on his mixing and mastering skills. Now, for you guys that don't know what mixing and mastering is, it's essentially the final couple stages of producing a record. You, you go into a studio, a recording studio, if you're going to record vocals or an instrument, you record those vocals and instruments, you write them in the studio, uh, and you capture all that audio. And then it goes off to somebody that's called a mixing engineer. And the, the mixing engineer essentially takes all those tracks. It could be 10 tracks. It could be 120 tracks um, of individual clips. And they take that all and mix them. They pan levels. They use compressors. They use EQ. They use delays and reverbs and all sorts of crazy effects to make that sound like a coherent, pleasing song in a, in a stereo field. And then you have the process of mastering. Now, mastering is essentially probably the last 10% or so of making a record, but it is the very last stage and it's essential. It's the difference between a not professional track and a professional track. Now, really what you're doing in the mastering process is you're bringing up levels is first and foremost. You're bringing it up to a comparable level to all the other tracks um, for a particular medium. Let's say you're mastering for a club track. It's going to go into a club um, or be cut to vinyl or a CD or meant for Spotify or it's a lounge track versus a jazz track versus a pop track. There's different ways to master for all of these um, to make them comparable with other tracks in that realm of music. 
And essentially, it's just adding a little bit of girth. It's adding some width. It's adding that volume, that final volume. And it sounds like such a simple process to a lot of producers, uh, but really it it can be very complicated and take years and years of time to really cut uh, and, and get that experience to make a professional really kick-ass sounding master. And Luca, Luca, our guest today, is amazing at that. Now, to finish up the introduction here, I mean, really, he has worked with artists and musical royalty to include artists like Jay Belvin, uh, Diplo, Borges, Kelvin Harris, Dada Life, Gareth Emery, Little John, Rusko, Steve Aoki, Tiesto, Snoop Dogg. Honestly, the list goes on for days. You guys can check out his credits at uh, his website, studiodmi.com. But I just, I want to welcome here him here to the interview. Now, let's go ahead and cut over to the recorded part of this interview where I was in his studio down in Las Vegas, and we had a chance to sit down. All right, guys, so I'm here with Mr. Luca Pretolesi. What's going on, man? Doing fantastic. <laughs> so I'm going to jump, let, let's jump into the first question. This isn't music related at all, but let's say we're jumping back in a time machine to high school. Okay. What were you like back then? Where did you, uh, where'd you fit in the hierarchy of school? Well, I was, my approach with school was interesting because I was extremely, extremely good on certain topics, certain parts, and was horrible on others. And I was just into music as I'm now, even back then, and <clears throat> anything related to music, I was excellent. Um, so the best memories that I have from high school was the moment that I was waiting the last five minutes to just finish class, leave, go back home and mixing, start mixing. <laughs> awesome. So, so were you part of any cliques? Were you part of the... Uh the nerds, the gamers, the just the music nerds. What were where were you? Yeah, I was. I, I, in, in, it's definitely in, in Italy. It's a little bit different the system, but I was part of the small crew of already music uh, kids that start to work with. I'm old, so like mix cassette and and work with uh, vinyls and researching and and because. The no internet area, I think, was actually more interesting. The fact that you need to really do your homework to find things, so it was was fun. Awesome, definitely a different area. So you started out actually as a touring DJ, right, over in Italy. How's life changed for you since deciding to settle down uh, here in Las Vegas as a full-time engineer, mixing and mastering records? Yeah, um, well, first of all, most of my friends now think that I, the move was strategic. They say, okay, Vegas became this capital of dance music. You came for this reason. Actually came before the whole explosion of dance music. So I came here in 2002 when Vegas was really the worst time. Like the music scene pretty much it was, I mean, it was dated. It was like a year. Everything was play, being played in the club here was one year after Europe. So then um, it was really not strategic. The, the point was in Italy, I start at one point to just not, I lost a little bit of excitement on the music side of the production side and, and, and touring in the early, like late 90s, early 2000. I don't know, there was kind of like a, a repetition of the same songs and I don't know, something went, went wrong where the old excitement in Europe of dance music was like the mid-90s where everything exploded and you can really hear dance music everywhere on the radio. Then early 2000, it was not the best time. So 
with a coincidence, back then I also used to own a nightclub in uh, in Italy, in an area it's called Rimini, which is kind of Miami of Italy. So okay, okay, yeah. It's on the seaside. So I used to have a club. Then the what happened, the destiny was that the city uh, basically made all the, the nightclub to stop to have a license um, that following year. Oh, wow. So it was kind of okay. The club has to be closed. Uh, a lot of things happening. So we're going to do. And we came for a quick vacation here. And we just felt really, really good. So the initial idea was, okay, I'm not going to move to Vegas and just work from Vegas and do my mixes, my work. It was like, I want to move there and spend good times there when it's cold in Europe and just yeah. work from here. And then organically, little by little, I find myself to be here after 16 years and, and became American like a month ago. So That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. So you, you touched on it. I mean, this, this wasn't the intent, and maybe we've gotten more of this, this auras come around the United States, that it is known that when something becomes big in Europe, sure enough, whether it's a clothing or music, about a year later or so, like you said, it becomes popular here in the U.S. But did, did it have that kind of, um, was that a well-known thing back then? Or do you think as dance music especially has gotten bigger over here in some of the fashions recently, do you think that's more of a recent development in the last 10, 15 years? Yeah, I feel it's a lot, a lot to do with social media and internet. Um, because one, one thing I noticed that as soon as internet really took off, especially Facebook, um, we, they start here to really understand what Ibiza was about, what the old European scene was about. Now, the DJ, the those top DJs in America that in the mid 2000s start to embrace the, the culture, um, they kind of amplify the old scene. So I worked with Steve Aoki on this album. It was 2012. It was not too long, too, time, too, too long ago. And I remember him keep bringing a reference of tracks from Europe. That was my thing. And so even him or others, that was the source. Like. European sound. Now it's changing. Now it's changing a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's safe to say a lot of the, the American DJs are, you know, world DJs, a lot of our influence comes from Europe, particularly a lot from France and the Dutch guys. Exactly. There's just so much of that. That sound that's kind of perforated everywhere. So there's not really a, a Dutch sound anymore. It's almost like a universal sound. Exactly. And that's really internet. And I, and I feel also the pop music um, into EDM, EDM into pop, into hip hop, everything blends in a way now where we have like kind of like a new global dance sound. It's really exciting, yeah, breaking down these, these genres. And yeah. if people do stick to a genre, there's a hundred of them out there, like in dance music, it's crazy. Yeah. So let's get technical. Um, you're an engineer and you're one of the most sought after engineers in dance music. What, what do you think makes it to be a really good engineer? What is it that you have to perfect to be considered a good engineer? Well, I think um, there is two approaches. There's more like an artistic approach, creative approach, and a technical approach. Um, I find myself to be right in the middle where I try to retain the production um, vision and the artist's vision and just bring the enhance the excitement part. Usually when I do a good mix, I, I feel that my mix sounds faster than the rough mix. When I say sound faster, because it happened before, I said, wow, it's, it's faster? No, it's not. Like, like tempo faster, tempo, you mean? Tempo faster, because there is certain excitement that make you feel groovy and move the movement. So I find myself, what I make, I think myself special 
is the fact that I have a personality as far as my sound, but in the same time, I respect the artist's vision. So when I put on Spotify a playlist with 20 songs or 10 songs from different artists entirely that I mix, sounds cohesive, sounds put together as an album. That's what I'm, I'm looking. And that's what you know. a lot of people cite after, if you guys don't already know, what makes a really good engineer mixing and mastering is the ability to make, if you make an album, which isn't as popular nowadays, but if you can make it sound cohesive, it should sound cohesive rather than a bunch of singles. And that's really hard to do now, and Luca, honestly, is one of the best in the business at it. He, he does an amazing job. Thank you very much. It is one thing that's very important, because right now, with the culture of new producer, we don't have any more one single producer on, on a project. So. I'm working with Major Laser, I some tracks there's seven people involved. There's the vocal producer, did the vocal takes, there's somebody else working on the drop. On on Lean On, Snake did the drop, somebody else did the other part of the song. So when you if you don't have an approach as an album, you risk to have a compilation at the end. So my approach is think as an album. I think, uh, I think that's super important. And any of you guys that are aspiring mastering engineers, that's definitely something to, to pay attention to. So let's, uh, mastering's like, you know, frequently thought of as a skill that requires many hours of practice and training, more so than, you know, even mixing or producing. Uh, with that said, how long did it take you before you really felt confident with your ears before deciding to go on and master other people's music? Hmm. It's a great question. So I, I find a, a different approach for me when I master my own mixes, I tend to don't reinvent the mix. So mastering my own mixes is literally target a level that I want to achieve and that's it. I, I do 90-90% on the mixing side. Now, when I apply my mastering techniques to enhance or fix or do something on somebody else mixes, then I need to be creative, to be able to retain dynamics and target the level that I want. Now, with Spotify, Spotify actually is, is helping us a lot because we have a more dynamic range now. The minus 14 uh, LUFS, it's great. So we can think more on the dynamic side before, four or five years ago, was only about to get minus three RMS and get crazy loud. It's not the case anymore. So there's more, more freedom. Um, one important about mastering, and it's, it's holidays like really, um, wrong impression about mastering. Most people think, also producer, the mastering it's it's making the track loud. Mastering is an approach. It's like producing. I'm producing. I'm writing. I'm mixing. I'm mastering. So mastering doesn't mean I make the track loud. I mean I take the track. I have the last opportunity to fix anything that I can, and or just to reach a certain space that I want, and. The volume and the level you want to target, it's one of those elements that you do during the mastering. It's not only that. I think that's, that's really important for people to know too. It's like mastering truly is, it's more than just dropping like a, a chain of effects on your final bus. I mean, yeah, you can make a loud track, but if you listen to a really great track, go ahead and look up some of Lucas tracks, we'll put them in the show notes, but you listen to some of these tracks compared to, you know, a lot of stuff that you're seeing on SoundCloud or that people are doing self-releases, there's a big difference and it's for a reason. A lot of it's the gear, but it's the ears and it's just as much an artistic approach. So, um, super cool, super cool. So how would you say, for people that don't understand, what, what's the difference between a mastering studio and a recording studio or, or a producer studio? Not necessarily the acoustic, I mean, not necessarily, um, you know, what you do in the space, but how does the actual physical space differ from a recording or a studio? Well, the mastering studio <clears throat> has more a living room environment, and that's com it's coming from the 1780s, where they thought to have a, 
a, a proper mastering room, you need to kind of emulate your living room, and I put the speakers that are seven feet, uh, eight feet from you. Now things are changing a little bit, especially because on a more hybrid approach that I have, I mix and master in the same room. So for this reason, in my case, mixing and mastering, it's the same, but because I build everything around uh, a console that's custom for me, where the, the speaker placement, it's come between a mix and mastering. Writing, it's a totally different approach to me. It's, yes, I need to have a right acoustics, but has to be, it's about the vibe, it's about be comfortable and have gear next to you that you can grab without overthinking uh, on the writing side. On the mastering side, it's discipline. In my case, I'm always sitting on the same sweet spot. I wanna, I wanna be able to just move my hands and reach all my gear. Uh, make sure that I don't make decision when my ad it's another uh, direction so it's more discipline so it, I mean it really is not only discipline but from what I from what I gather I mean it's really that that space is your space I mean if you were to go to another you know world-renowned studio in their space you can do your job right is that correct that's correct I think also secret of the success of a company like Studio DMI or other company, they do only mastering, is the fact that touring DJs, they have the main source of income touring. So if you take a break uh, for weeks to understand and try to master your own song, financially you lose a lot of money, number one. Yeah. Number two, your ears are tired. Now you're traveling, you're tired, you drink, you're drinking, you're DJing. How you can make a proper decision? In our case, we are here in the same sit, in the same spot, sober, every day, making decisions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Being sober, kids, you hear that? You heard it first from Luca Pretolesi, be sober. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so uh, you frequently work on tracks with like superstar level artists, I mean the biggest of the big. How does that experience really differ um, working on one of their tracks versus a track of, let's say, a much newer artist? Well, there is a, I, I feel that the main difference is working on production teams, so higher you go, more people are involved. So this takes more time to have a final approval from one side, but the other side, they understand the steps, the necessary steps. Sometimes younger producer, they have a wrong perception from the rough mix they're bringing to the final result. And the perception is that whatever they're throwing on me, I can turn in an amazing sounding song, where the, the problem starting from the actual key of the track you're choosing to the sound you're picking it there's more so i i think the pro type of productions there's more understanding um of you know the final result and honestly for any of you producers out there keep that in mind it's you you can't polish the turd only so much right mixing and mastering uh you know are only the final steps mastering really being like the last 10 or 20 percent of the track it's a really important 20% of the track, but if you don't already have the right stuff there, the right stems and stuff, there's no reason to really send it to a high quality engineer because you're kind of wasting your money. Make sure to get to that point where you guys can produce good music before you know going on to somebody of Lucas caliber and then he can really make you shine. 100%, 100%. So what, uh, talking about these artists, big or small, it doesn't matter, what have been some of your favorite projects you've had an opportunity to work on so far? Well, this summer, we all actually, I'm blessed because every summer we have some like hits of the summer that I'm involved. Um, this past summer, a song is called Miente from J Balvin. Mm -hmm. uh, they went really well. 
Um, the interesting story about the song that I actually worked on the song before was a hit when Jay Bobby was not even on the song. It was a production from France. Then just didn't work a mixing work on that song. It went to Universal South America. They add Jay Bobby as a feature, and the song became like a huge hit this summer. So it's kind of like two life that song. I'm very attached to that song, and I'm working with the same production team. Oh wow! For for yeah. more uh, after the, after the the new season now. You guys would have had been sleeping under a rock not to hear this song. So go ahead and check that out. It's in the show notes. But it's amazing. Um, and really, congratulations. I mean that that song just sounds amazing and dynamic. So thank, thank you very much. So speaking of newer artists, uh, Studio DMI has an online member program you guys call the Alliance. Yes. Really, what, what exactly is that about? What is the Alliance? Well, the Alliance, is, it started like in a very organic way. So we had people, that have, they share the same passion that we do in different parts of the countries where not necessarily have friends or buddies or people they can share the same passion or get the same information. So we start to kind of like get a, people that have again, the same passion, and make it more an organized way where we give back uh, weekly track reviews, for example. Um, now we start doing video reviews. Oh, um, yeah. uh, we, we, we try to make a community that it's about quality and where we set a standard, and we, we want to make sure that we just share what we feel is is right. So there's so much out on internet right now that is actually is confusing. And there's a lot of tutorial that can throw you off because they're not the right tutorial, in my opinion. So it's a community. And the interesting part of, about the Alliance that it became, at the beginning, it was just m kind of like my show. I was to say, hey guys, I want to share this with you. Now we have members of the Alliance that kind of start to network internally on the Alliance and just share music, um, tip and tricks, and others. I think that's so important that he hit on a good topic. I mean, the internet is the internet. It's amazing. It's got this open source and there's so much amazing information out there. But being uneducated, being able to weed through that, guys, it's so hard and you can waste so much time. And the Alliance has been a great resource, I think, that you can just go to. You can start networking with other artists and get quality content. Not to mention you guys have like benefits that, you know, discounts on, on different plugins and things like that. But you literally get one-on-one -on -one feedback from Luca and his team here. So they'll listen to your music. The same guys that are listening to Diplo's music, Morgan Page, and, exactly. and all these guys, they'll listen to your track and give you the same feedback that they're giving on these much bigger tracks without working on it and lead you in the right direction. I think that's amazing, amazing. Thank you very much. So let's get to the last question here, and this is an easy one. If you could travel to any year in the future or the past, okay. when would it be and why? Such an easy que uh, question for me. So I grew up and I started engineering and I went to school and I did everything just for my crazy, crazy passion for the early electronic music, like Kraftwerk, around that time. What is the problem? That I was too young. So I would love to be able to go back in the late 70s with my current age to be able, with my current experience, to go there and dominate the future of engineering. You know, who would that be? No, yeah. your dad, we travel back from 2035, guys. Yeah. You see what I mean? I'm learning from the best, so this is so cool. Yeah, thank you. 
Well, hey, Luca, thank you so much for being on the show. We love you so much. And if you guys aren't familiar with this work, like I said, show notes, we got all that stuff down there. Much love and respect. Thank you so much, Luca. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Ciao. See you in the future. <laughs> I hope you guys really enjoyed that as much as I did. It was such a pleasure to sit and interview him. And so really, I, I want to invite you guys now to the family. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for it, but really it's because you guys have a chance to really share your feedback on how things like this are working. Is it is this a format and something you're really interested in hearing more of in the future? Uh, I can release more artists. For instance, uh, TJR is next month. And, you know, we talked for like 22 minutes and I think I'm only going to be airing maybe eight minutes of that. So if you guys are really interested in this, make sure to go like and subscribe to, of course, my, my social accounts like Instagram, Facebook, that kind of stuff. But also join the family. That's the really important one for me um, because it gives me a chance to send you guys out you know, some free swag occasionally. Um, I send out some surveys so you guys really can help shape the Your Dad brand. Uh, I also give exclusive music and content to you guys that I don't release anywhere else, which is always exciting. And simply all you have to do is go to my website, and that's www.yourdad.rocks. And by going there, you can enter in your email, you sign up for the family, subscribe, become a partner, hang out with us, and we're gonna, I'm going to have exclusive, uh, exclusive live stream content coming up really soon for you guys. It, it's just going to be fun. It's, it's going to be really fun. You guys can jump in with both feet. We can all hang out. You'll get uh, a heads up before anyone else whenever a show is being announced, where the location is, all that kind of stuff. I mean, you really are part of the family. Now... I, uh, it, it's really dark and rainy outside. I, I'm sleepy. I'm, I'm going to go take a nap. Foxy, you want to take a nap? She wants to take a nap. We're going to go take a nap. You guys have a great day. Thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you so much. I love you. Hey, fam. Peace out. We'll see you in the future. Ciao.